2: Say it feels good to be uh two and four, could be four and two, but you know, I guess who's paying attention to any of that? Uh <laughs> oh man, welcome back to the blue stable podcast, guys. My name is Michael Tarazis, the official Colts podcast of Fans Cited, as always. Joined by me, welcome back, Destin Adams. You had to miss the last episode, unfortunately, but it's okay because you're here now. Uh, Rashad McGinnis as always, guys. How are we doing? We're two and four now.
1: I mean, it feels better than one and four. Feels better uh-huh. than one and four hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I mean, that was the kind of win they needed. Um, that Ravens game took a lot out of all of us. Uh, a lot of hope, a lot of spirit. Um, they they needed to come out firing. I don't care who they played. I don't care if it's the Texans. I don't care if it was the Jaguars. They needed to kick someone's teeth in. Like they needed that feeling. They needed that on their belt. And they went out and did it. And everyone said it was just the Texans. But, I mean, everyone's praising New England as the best two-and-four football team. And they almost lost to Houston. So It's like that never happened. Ever since we beat the
0: Texans, it's like nobody acknowledged that Davis Mills had a great game, over 300 yards passing, against New England and almost got the job done. They almost beat Cleveland. Yeah. So, I'm just happy, man. I'm just happy to be back in the winner's circle, no matter who it is. These division games is important, no matter, you know, if it's Jacksonville, if it's the Texans. I'm just happy to be back in victory circle, man. man. So anytime you get a dub in it in the NFL, it's it's a grueling league, man. So I, I'm excited.
2: Yeah, man. At this point, I really don't give a damn. Just win every single AFC related game. Just, just win them all. Um, but hey, that that's the kind of game it was yesterday. Now, one question before we get into it, guys. I, I really got to get y'all's honest opinion. Did yesterday's game change y'all's mindset, y'all's uh, outlook on
1: this team? Um, I mean, I'll say don't about change. I think it just told us a little bit more about who they are. Um, because when you play against the bad teams in the NFL – um one of the words people like to use early on in the year it, when these teams are underperforming so the Colts were one and four are the Colts a good bad team or they've been a bad good team um, like what category would you put them in you always would rather be a bad good team you're a good football team that just isn't playing their best football a lot of other reasons have affected you and i think when you go out and you're able to kick the teeth in of a really bad team and not play them close, not have to worry about it the entire day but one that you had your hand on the entire game and you just held your foot on the gas pedal the rest of the night i mean i think it told us a little bit more about that this team has more hope as a 2 and 4 football team than most in my opinion i'm excited man like i said
0: uh i would say that they're trending up I don't know if they're a bad, good team or a good, bad team. I just know they're trending in the right direction. And I know some people may uh, attribute that to the the level of competition, but I was good with the way they played against Baltimore, which is looking like one of the top teams that's in the AFC. They just didn't finish. And we all know we don't have to revisit that. You know, Mike's still numb from that game. So we're going to give him time to heal. So I'm just happy with the way they're playing right now, man. Uh, whether it's a dub or L the last three weeks have been encouraging. So hopefully they continue to trend in that direction.
2: Definitely. I'm, I'm kind of with you both. I mean, like, like Rashad said, I'm still, I'm still a little numb. I told them yesterday watching the game, I'll, I'll tell you guys the same thing that man, I, I had no emotion on my couch watching that game. Like every, every play, even the touchdowns and everything, I had the same reaction. I was just sitting. That Monday night game took the soul from me, man. I was so pissed. Uh, I mean, this game didn't necessarily – it it told me something about the offense. It basically, I mean, confirmed what we already knew about the defense. They feast on below-average quarterbacks. They feast on bad offenses. This is what they do. Uh, The offense, rather, deep shots are coming into play – a lot of playmaking is going on. Carson Wentz seems like its he's just getting better and better by the week. Um, Frank Reich, again, there were some beautiful route concepts that he called into play yesterday. I mean, it was a beautifully called game again. Um, so two and four, I, I said it about, what, three weeks ago that we were too good to be 0-3. There's too much mm-hmm. talent to be 0-3. But now we're two two and four, hopefully getting on a roll here. So, guys, before we get the show started, I mean, not started, but going into actual Colts news, it's almost weekly, almost monthly, almost yearly, guys. Paris Campbell will miss significant time due to a foot injury, as Frank Wright called it. It wasn't a specified injury. There was no specific timetable. They don't know if it's season-ending yet. They haven't determined it yet. They're going to do a little bit more testing, more scans, more physical rehab to see where he is, how he feels. I mean, a guy who has shown so much promise, who had so much promise coming out of college. I mean, this guy was picked to be Offensive Rookie of the Year. Let's remember that from a couple of guys on NFL Network. He was picked to be Offensive Rookie of the Year. He had so much potential. So much promise, so much room to grow coming out of Ohio State. And it just seemed it just seemed right when he was getting the most consistent playing time in his career, it was showing up and he gets injured on a touchdown play. So, guys, what is, what is y'all's reaction to this news that dropped today that Paris might, and I put might, be gone for the season? Man, it, it was truly heartbreaking, man.
0: I sent a tweet out to him today to let him know I was praying, praying for him, him and his family especially, man, because that's rough to go through. And I don't know if y'all paid attention to T.Y. when he was talking about his role to recovery, and he spoke about the first two, three days after the injury was the darkest time. So that's why I, I felt like I did my little part, which is reach out to him and let him know that, that that Coast Nation is riding with you, man. We're still here for you. We're praying for you because I know – As he start this road to recovery, this probably is one of the darkest days that he's going to have immediately after the injury. He's probably thinking that he wasted another season. and How long it's going to take him to get back, man, to get back to 100%. So I I, I truly feel for the guy. We see he's immensely talented. Caught his longest career touchdown, 51 yard. It was a beautiful play. I'm hurt for him, man. I, I feel absolutely gutted by what happened to that guy, man, last – yesterday. Uh, hopefully he,
1: he he gets back, he gets to 100%, and he, and he returns now. It's just so weird. I mean, you don't see guys not have significant injury history in high school and college and then come to the pros and then it becomes an issue. Like, like that, that that's not a common thing in sports. I mean – Right. It's just very rare that the injury – domino just starts to fall once you hit the pros man it's really unfortunate and it just seems like all his are just these weird unfortunate type injuries i mean catches the touchdown um probably should have went in untouched um ends up getting an offender falling on him and looks like he's gonna miss a lot of time i mean frank rack used like words like heartbreaking significant um lot of things made it sound like he's gonna at least go on that short-term IR and we'll see how long he stays on it um if not season ending but it sucks for the guy man now looking at it as a Colts related I don't think it's gonna be as big of a hole as some fans are looking at it um personally when I've watched um when I've watched him this year he, he's weirdly struggled to get separation at times. Um, I will say the route on the touchdown was probably one of his best routes of the year. He even adjusts to the ball a little bit and arcs his route a little bit to get even more separation on it, which I like to see. Um, but, but overall, I mean, the only thing that sucks is just trying to find out who you want to replace that role um, just because of, I mean, maybe you want TY there and you're just going to put somebody else on the outside and maybe that's how you want to do it. But, now that's the biggest thing the Colts are going to figure out, like snap-wise, where those are going to go. But I do not think this is going to be a big hindrance on the Colts' offense, personally.
2: Yeah, it's it's so heartbreaking for this guy. I mean, it's I, – I, I can't find any other words. Frank Reich said it best. It's heartbreaking. You keep trying to get him on the field, and for some reason, man – back-to-back years freakish accidents a horrible tackle uh, horrible accident against Minnesota his knee gets trapped in between two defenders and this time he catches a touchdown falls down and a defender literally falls on his foot like you can't make this stuff up man you you can and it's not before y'all go on about he's injury prone, it's not his fault. What can he do to stop Terrence Davis to stop falling on his foot? What can he do to stop Adrian Sandejo and Harrison, Harrison Smith from colliding and catching his knee in between their tackles? What can he do about that? That's not, there's nothing he can do there. He's not injury prone. He, prone. he just has bad luck. There are guys that are injury prone. We've seen it. But this is just pure bad luck. And, you know, I I texted the guys. I texted Destin and uh, Rashad this earlier today. I mean, at at this point, the Colts have tried to do do everything possible. Uh, They've definitely tried to get him into game plans, see where he's at. But at this point, I mean, you can't have any consistency right now with Paris. You can't, it's hard for this coaching staff to get a consistent development period for him. And now you're, you're stuck in saying, what do we do now? I I, honestly, me personally, I I think it might be time uh, to start thinking about life after Paris Campbell. I doubt that you can get anything for him on the trade market. Uh, I doubt that anybody would trade for him. So maybe just cross your fingers hope for the best news possible for Paris this year and hope that he, you know, the gods can be on his side in 2022. That that's where I'm at. Are y'all almost close to the end of their Paris Campbell uh, or do y'all want to, y'all still have faith in it? I
1: don't know about, I don't know. Faith would be like the right word to put on it. I mean, I mean, you kind of answered the question a little bit already. Like, I just don't think you're. I just don't think you're going to get anything out of Paris Campbell trade-wise. I think you let it play out the rest of his rookie deal. Um, I doubt they. I, I just don't know what that second contract's going to look like. If it's in India, I just can't imagine it's going to be a su- substantial amount, especially guarantees. Um, on that contract, which is what, what, what these rookies are playing for, especially when you're not a first-round pick. You're playing for that second contract. I mean, that, that's when the real money starts. But I don't know about faith. Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's in trade mode. I wouldn't say it's – especially because we don't know how long this injury is going to be this year. I wouldn't say we're hitting the panic button on him yet. Um, but it is unfortunate for a guy who just, like you said earlier, just has some of the worst injury luck I've ever seen.
0: Yeah, at this point, I think you just it doesn't benefit you financially to get rid of him. So, I mean, why not keep a guy that that is a dynamic guy when he's on the field, even though he goes through injuries and he's not on the field more often than not. I mean, why not let him play out his contract and finish his stint here? And if he gives you nothing or he gets injured again next year, then, you know, you guys part ways mutually and and he goes see if he can find another contract. Maybe somebody takes a flyer on him, gives him a one-year deal, see if he can stay healthy. Or, you know, he, he move on or whatever the next phase of, of his career or his life is at that time. But I just hope in the immediate future that he does everything he can to get his body right and get back the good help man, because
2: Paris, we, we love Paris, you know. And just real quick before we move on, I just have one last thing to say about this topic. I mean, you it it hurts more knowing that, The guys that have retired, even contemplated retirement, have been because of injury issues. Andrew Luck, Anthony Costando, he was battling some injuries, almost retired, came back, and last year he was still battling injuries and finally called it quit, even though he signed a two-year deal, probably knowing there was a decision to be made in between those years. Him and Ballard probably had an understanding of that. And then T.Y. coming out, the pain was so bad, he contemplated retirement. And now to see Paris start going through this, it's got to be so frustrating. My heart goes out to him. I pray he's got the strength, the discipline, the heart to go through this, man, because this sucks. This absolutely sucks. Moving on to hopefully some more upbeat stuff. Before we get into that, Dustin has a special message that he wants to pass along with everyone.
1: Yeah, the rest of the show, guys, is brought to you by One Call Technology. One One Call Technology is a managed telecom service provider who has – over 100 years of experience in managed telecom service providing and high-speed internet. Head on over to OneCall's website at www.onecalltech.com. or give them a call at 888-585-8850 and tell them the Blue Stable sent you. Oh, yeah.
2: All right. All right. Shout out. Shout out OneCall Technology.
1: Mike you, Mike, you was feeling that ad, huh?
0: Uh, uh, Dustin <laughs> gave Destin, oh yeah. Hey, <laughs> now,
2: shout out Destin Adams, okay? Uh, but in, anyways, guys, getting into some upbeat stuff here on the show as we get going here. Um, Shout out Blue Stable I, I also. Hey, yeah, shout out Blue Stable. Let's get it here, guys. So getting on a roll, not only are we getting on a roll, but guys, Carson Wentz is wheeling and dealing now. He is on a roll, okay? Destin has... Some stats on the side that he's going to say to you guys, just to put into perspective how
1: well he has actually been playing. So, Destiny, you got those stats for us? Yeah, so Carson wins in the last three weeks, um, which you could argue has been him at least 75% or over health-wise since these ankle issues appeared in the preseason Um, Carson Wentz in the last three games has 853 passing yards, which is seventh in the NFL, 69% completion percentage, which is sixth in the NFL, 9.8 yards per attempt, which is second in the NFL, a 123.4 passer rating, which is first in the NFL, nine completions over 25 yards, which is third in the NFL, six touchdowns, zero interceptions, which is first in the NFL. That sounds that sounds pretty good, don't you think, Dustin? I mean, more than more than enough. Um, I mean, I think, right? You know, I think I think it's at least quieted a lot of these uh, analysts that like to just bash Wince to bash Wince. I mean, even before the this upcoming game between between the uh, man the Texans. Gosh, I just like dropped who we just faced we, we beat them that bad I didn't even think they were a team anymore but uh, um, we uh, going into this game in the pregame I'm at the stadium and I have it in my headphones listening and I hear one of the pregame guys say that Carson Wentz needs to stop forcing the ball and just take what the defense is giving him Carson Wentz has one interception wow. on the year Car- Carson Wentz has the least amount of interceptions of any quarterback who's started all six games this year and Pre game analysts are talking about him forcing throws. And his I only really, interception, by the way, was a shovel pass to Aaron Donald.
2: I mean, it was a pretty dumb shovel pass on his part, but other than that. I mean, wasn't it his I have, call? That, that I mean, wasn't, that wasn't I his call. A, I mean, yes, it was. He was the one throwing the ball and he
0: saw Aaron Donald coming. Aaron Donald um, hit Jack Doyle and knocked him off of his timing, man. That's why he threw the intercept. Light. Michael knows this. He saw it.
2: I know. I did see it, and Carson Wentz saw it, and he still threw it, knowing what was happening. So it's just one mistake, guys. I've only had one mistake he's made. Um, but other than that, I haven't really seen him force too much. I mean, he is taking what the defense is giving him. That's why these guys are wide open all the
1: time. I'm um, not. A, I'm not a PFF person i'm not somebody that uses their stuff to like vindicate a lot of my opinions but i will say that he's only one of i believe it was three quarterbacks coming into this week i haven't checked since um the texans game ended um that had zero turnover worthy throws on the year so far um which i guess they don't count the shovel pass as a turnover worthy throw i guess they're giving aaron donald the benefit of the doubt um even when michael's not um but just, just, just playing with you, Michael, just playing. Imagine but, that. But just in general, the fact that these narratives still exist, that Carson Wentz is a guy you can't win with, that Carson Wentz is a guy that hurts an offense, just, just hasn't been the case this year. I mean, the numbers don't show that. And if you watch the game, it just doesn't show that. Carson Wentz has put this team in position to win each and every week, in my opinion. I mean, the Tennessee game was his worst game and was probably his worst health of the year. Um, so I mean it was almost expected um, but I mean it, it was still bad so you, you can't he, he decided to play he went out there um, you got to do your job that was a bad game for him but I mean ever since that Tennessee yeah. game I mean like we said he's on a roll yeah absolutely. man Car- <clears throat> Carson has been absolutely phenomenal um,
0: he has been everything that the team has asked for him I know people I think the big knock on him is that he holds on to the ball too long, and and, and I agree with you, but you have to you, – you sacrifice. You know, you have – in order for him to hit those big plays that you've seen him make time and time again this past game is because he holds on to the ball for a little longer than you may see Phillip Rivers or it, all the guys that process things real quickly. He's not that type of quarterback. He's a, he's a guy that holds on to it. And he looks for the big play. And, and that's something, an uh, element this offense hasn't had since Andrew Luck was here. Uh, I shouldn't even say his name. I'm sorry, y'all. I know he's banned from being said. Yeah, now, sure. we're,
1: now we're putting the disclaimer in. Way to go.
0: Yeah. yep. We're going to get flagged and taken down. But anyway, Carson Wentz has been everything that Frank Wright wanted him to be. He's opened up a side of Frank Wright's playbook that he hasn't been able to use in a while. The, the play-action game, the, down, the vertical passing game, He's throwing the ball outside of the numbers. You threw Michael Pittman a beautiful out ball. Michael Pittman was able to t- get two feet down. I don't know if Michael Pittman's the number one anymore, uh, but we'll talk about that later, Michael. Um, Carson has been that guy, though. Carson has looked phenomenal. His stats, he has a 102 passer rating on the season. I know a lot of people don't put stock into passer rating, but and it's an indicator he hasn't had hundred. Pass a rate in any game that he played last season, I believe. So he's trending in the right direction. And hopefully, and another thing before um, I move on from Car- Carson Wentz, if Carson Wentz continues to play like this, I am in the boat of I don't give a damn where the first round pick is. I'm happy with the trade. And, and I think it's a win for us anytime you're able to land a potential franchise quarterback.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I sent out a tweet it actually got a lot more attention than I was thinking uh and a lot of it was from Eagles fans I basically said Eagles forced Carson Wentz out the door they're stuck with Jalen Hurts now are they do they miss Carson Wentz now that they see him willing dealing Mm -hmm. some Eagles fan had the gall to say you can keep Wentz we'll take that first round pick what are you gonna use that first round pick on honey boo boo what are You gonna you're use, boom, it on? You go, you go use it on Spencer Rattler? You gonna use it on Spencer Rattler, Or what about Matt Carroll or Desmond Ritter? I, I think, you know, considering how bad this quarterback class is, and I can already tell you right now, none of these quarterbacks are getting a first-round grade from me. I can tell you that right now. None of them, okay? They suck. But you go ahead with, with Matt Carroll. We'll keep Carson Wentz in his prime, gunslinging, wheeling and dealing. Looks like his mentality is in the right place. His leadership has stepped up. I'll take it any day of the week. Moving on to more greatness here. Uh, Guys, I I think Jonathan Taylor, fantasy owners, had nearly had a heart attack yesterday. Don't you think? I I mean, he went into the fourth quarter with what? 20 yards rushing into the fourth quarter and ended. With 145 yards rushing and two touchdowns.
1: I think the first touchdown came in the third.
2: It was yeah, in the third? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think mm-hmm. the first touchdown came in the third, which, um, but I mean, the 80 some yard run helped his yardage at the end. So, uh, but I mean, Jonathan Taylor, I own him in fantasy, um, but he's also on my favorite football team, which matters more to me. Um, super fun to watch. I mean, I. We haven't had a guy like Jonathan Taylor just so dynamic at the running back position in a very long time. I mean, Edron James probably. I mean, Joseph Adai was, was not in that category for me. But, I mean, he's probably the closest thing they've had since Edron James until Taylor. Um, I, I personally think it's time that Taylor is a lock in the top five um, just true running backs in the league. I mean, obviously there's other dynamics that go into it. I mean, Christian McCaffrey is always going to be a super big dual threat when he's on the field because of his ability as a pass catcher. But, I mean, Jonathan Taylor is no slouch when it comes to catching the ball. I mean, that was his biggest con coming into the year, basically, was that he was going to struggle, um, not this year, his, into his career out of the draft, that he was going to struggle being able to add anything to the pass game but, he, but he's done just that from day one. Um, he, he's impacted in the past game. And like that, that's a, just a, you could talk about the coaching staff being able to groom him in that way, but he's stepped up and done that. Um, personally, Derrick Henry's number one on the top by himself. Um, then the Christian McCaffrey. Um, but I mean, I'm in the realm of things right now that I don't know if there's another running back I'd rather have than Jonathan Taylor. After those two, I mean, and, maybe. and Dalvin are you, Cook, are you maybe. factoring in age? Yeah, I yeah, I mean, Cook. I'm, I'm are you talk- factoring in age and everything? Age, injury history, um, because Barkley, yeah. when he's healthy, he's a stud. Um, but Dalvin Cook and Christian McCaffrey, when they're healthier, studs. What about uh, Nick Chubb? Nick, Nick yeah, Chubb, Chubb, when he's, one Nick I Chubb when he's healthy, um. I think I would take Taylor over Cho. I'm just going to say it. Um, I'm not mad at it. Just flat, mad out, at just flat out skill-wise. I, I think it's close. And injury yeah. injuries there. I just think Taylor is just that reliable when, he's, when his number is called. Um, yeah. Just being able to make a big play happen. But, hey, I, I think, in my opinion, I don't think I would hate anybody that had him, like, at five. I just think it, he's at the point now that you have to have him in your top five almost.
2: Yeah. Okay. I'm not mad oh, at it.
1: I thought, I I
0: always, my issue was, even when it was doing the top 100 players, you know, we talked about it. It was just, can he do it again? And now that he's proven, proven himself, he's really picked up where he left off at the end of last season. He's playing like that a lot earlier in this season. And man, that was really the only question mark I had with John to was, can he do it all over again? Now that defenses is going to be expecting it and keying on him and know the type of runs that he liked to take and what he excels at. But, man, he, he's doing that and more. He – he, I don't know if y'all know, but he's number two among running backs in yards per from scrimmage out of uh, all the running backs in the NFL. It's Derrick Henry and then, you know, it's, it's Derrick Henry. I mean, you know, he was he was number one before he even played tonight. That's how insane and he, it is. And and he had, a, he's and at he 140 has, right now.
1: I was like, he already has over 100 um in there, and the game is still very much going.
0: Yeah, so that tells you what type of stratosphere Derek Henry in. But like you said, afterwards, man, it's a Christian McCaffrey, Delvin Cook, Jonathan Taylor, all those guys, and maybe Nick Chubb rounding out my five. It's, it it got to be something in similar to that to that lineup right there because those guys are literally well, Alvin Kamara too, but those guys are literally separating themselves among the, from the pack, rest of the pack. They are talented, bro, and I think that needs to be highlighted that Jonathan Taylor is playing this well. Hopefully he gets the ground player of the week, but Derrick Henry's probably going to make sure that doesn't happen.
1: Yeah, Uh, yeah, We'll see where Derrick Henry ends up. I want to never hear another human. I like James Robinson. I want to say that first. I like him. I do. Cool story, undrafted, being able to start like he is and play at a high level. People need to stop acting like him and Taylor in the same category, though.
0: It's not the same. It's not the same, bro.
2: Yeah, uh, no, um, no. I mean, fuck Derrick Henry. I don't care. Uh, Jonathan Taylor's better than him. I mean, whoa. I know. do. Uh, I do want to say, oh, you right? Wrong. Right now, Derrick Henry is at six hundred and forty rushing yards on the year. He's already got a hundred tonight. He just might be a one thousand yard rusher after we play them in Week Eight. Let's let, let's
1: just
2: let's just go ahead and say that. Wait, wait what you say? Would you say he had before tonight? 64 40
0: 640 Six he has a he has a buck 33 right now so that's that's there you go what, so seven
2: 770 something like that man
1: he he's just he's probably he's going to like, break a rushing record i mean in all the records are going to have asterisks going forward because of adding the extra game but he he may have broken it without that's it that's
2: true yeah without yeah. it he's already well on pace to shatter that record it looks like uh but yeah, Jonathan Taylor, he's he's special. That breakaway speed. I love it. I I still remember I was genuinely shocked when we drafted him. I, I was not expecting that
1: pick. I traded really up wasn't. for him. Traded we up traded for
2: him. He traded up. And when I nice. noticed we traded up, I'm like, dang, who are we getting? I thought I thought we were going for the wide receiver, but I
1: remembered, oh man, we already I, I got Michael it. Pittman. I we had already had Pittman. had Pittman. I said I thought they were gonna trade up for a quarterback. And I was like, no, I was, was going like, to cry. I was like, please don't. I didn't know. I didn't like in my, anybody in else my on mind, the I, at that time. In
0: my mind, I but was I like, who the
2: hell are you going so cool. after? When it was Jonathan Taylor, bro, I jumped up off my couch, and I was so happy. I was like, <laughs> dude, I love this guy. Now, getting into the offensive line, okay? There's some up and down parts, you know, yeah. to this group. But I just got to highlight my man. TCU alum, uh, massive man, Matt Pryor. Matt Pryor, dude, Braden Smith, who? Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Here we go. Here we go. (laughs) He he has definitely played well. I, I think he probably had the best day as the lineman yesterday, um, just from what I saw. And man, he he moves, guys, man. I'm so happy to see him in this spot showing his talents you know I'm, I'm so happy genuinely I am um the offensive line Matt Pryor's good doing well Ryan Kelly also looking a little bit more healthier week by week Mark Lewinsky doing Mark Lewinsky things Chris Reed y'all this dude might not be on the roster next year he he just might not he to hell uh
1: and then Eric Fisher continuing. You need to specify. To, you need to specify the reason you're saying he's not gonna be off the roster. Some people are listening to you right now thinking you think somebody he's trash. okay. Yeah, somebody yeah. is
2: gonna throw money at Chris Reed, probably. And it might be just be Jacksonville or Tennessee, maybe. I don't know, but he just might get some real money thrown at him. So that's where I say, okay, maybe not. Just Eric needed you to just, just needed you to specify absolutely yes sir uh eric fisher on the other hand yeah he sucks uh there's there's just no other way around it he's still getting himself back into into that football mode football grind i'm not sure how how much longer i can keep using that excuse um i probably should have stopped using it this week honestly but I, i'm gonna give him a couple more weeks maybe one more but two is achilles 10 months ago this is nuts I mean, absolutely nuts. It is. It's a miracle that he's even
1: playing football. Exactly. I mean, let's just that's, say that. Let's just like, say that. That's wild. Look at Dial, Look Dio's situation. Now, the, I think I the mean, biggest I issue is that I, we never know. So this is all hindsight. I mean, we're, we're speaking off of assumptions because we don't know if he forced him his way back into the lineup early, if the Colts got him approved to play a little early. Cause that's always an issue you're gonna put yourself in when you do come back faster than expected from those kind of injuries. Um, you're mm-hmm. just kind of setting yourself up to have this kind of play. Um, I will say that I do think Eric Fisher played his best half of football um, in the second half of this Texans game. Um, I think he stepped up a little bit, and I think we I mean, we saw how many big play, how many big plays and how much time Carson Wentz had um, on that throw to T. Y. Hilton which was a pretty ball, pretty, pretty ball. Carson Wentz could have made a third child with his wife back there um, with, with how much time that line gave him. Um and uh, but I mean, God. Oh, this man. is a
2: PG podcast, Destin Adams. This is the man that said share? the F word earlier. I was he gonna said say, the F word earlier. I, I oh, say, okay, fine, PG-13 then. I'm I
1: like, say, I, I, I didn't share what that means. I mean, they, uh, he could have been sending an order through a stork company. We don't know how he was getting oh, the third child here, but he, he was. I mean, he had that much time in the second half. Now, I do think prior – and Reed have made enough indication. I mean, first and foremost, Chris Ballard has gotten some some flack on his handling of the depth at tackle. People threw a lot of flack at him when he traded for Pryor, who a lot of people believe the Eagles were going to cut. But, I mean, since Pryor has had the full-time starting job at right tackle since Braden Smith went down and he took the job from Davenport – the biggest thing you want from a swing tackle, that depth tackle is you don't want to have to hear his name much in a game. And I, I we just haven't Pryor has not been an issue. Pryor has held up his own. Um, every time I say his name, I have to include how massive he is. Um, I mean, watching him in person um, for the first time this last week, um, him starting on the field. Oh, he's a massive dude, man. Uh, like six. How about to ask you, how big is he Paul uh, I bu- I bu- Oh, he's a huge man. I mean yeah I mean he's six I believe seven, he's uh I think he's six eight six nine i think i think he's six eight i think he's six, eight, 360 oh, i Ooh, know he's i know he boy. was with high 300s. i knew big, I knew he was there big boy and i mean it shows in the run blocking category especially but i mean he's held his own in pass protection i mean i think that's where He struggled a little bit that first week when him and Davenport had to split time. Um, He wasn't getting that first step off on pass protection. Um, But he's not been an issue. I mean, he's outplayed Eric Fisher. He's made it to where when Braden Smith comes back, do do you want Pryor out there or Fisher? It's a real question. And Pryor's earned that. Yeah, it's a real question. Eric Fisher sucks. And Pryor has earned that. Now, on the other hand, Chris Reed, it's hard to put that dude to the bench. He's been incredible. Now, Pryor, I think – his biggest a- asset has been that he's not been a problem. I, I don't think he, like when you said it earlier, you thought he's been the best lineman overall. I think that's a little far. Yeah, you are um, in the, in the game, not the season. I don't know, man. Ryan Kelly has been has been really good the last three weeks too. I mean, he yeah, he, I was about he, to had say. he started off slow. He had a I said far. in the game this past well, I know, Sunday. I know, I know what you meant. I'm just saying I don't know if I agree with that either. Uh, <laughs> but well, I did mention I mean, those Chris, two. Chris Reed. I don't know if he's. I just don't know how you can put him on the bench. I, I just don't. I mean, if, if Eric Fisher keeps playing the problem. way he does, yeah. I've never been team Quentin Nelson at left tackle. I've also heard that Quentin Nelson does not want to play They're left tackle long term. Mm-hmm. That's what I've also heard. Yeah. So I understand that when he comes back from injury, he doesn't want to line up at left tackle. But, man, you at some point you just have to have the best five out there. And I don't know if you can convince me right now that Eric Fisher is in that top five. I just don't think you can convince me of that. I understand why you don't want to move prior to left tackle um, if that is the option that comes when Braden Smith comes back. But maybe you move Braden Smith to the left side um, and let him play over there and Quentin Nelson play guard. I, I think there's an argument to be made that Chris reads out playing Lewinsky as well, but we don't have to have that conversation today. Yeah, hey. because, I mean, Glow's not playing back. So there's no need to, he's not no need an to pick on issue. No, he's nowhere near yeah, an yeah. issue. Like, I'm not trying to yeah. say Glawinski needs to be sat because he's a problem. I'm just saying there's an argument to be had that Chris Reed is outplaying him, and I want the best five mm-hmm. linemen on the field, but it's hard when glawinski has been here as long as he has, has been as steady as he has, just super yeah. solid. I mean, he's so so solid of a right guard. Would start on most NFL teams. But then you ask Uh-oh. yourself, can you sit Chris Reed right now? I just don't know if I could say yes. Oh, man, you're getting me a little excited.
2: Got the jitters thinking about – Matt Pryor I mean, being our
0: right tackle. I mean, but maybe you can't. But who says Chris Reed has the same success, same success at right guard that he's having at left guard as well? So that's a question that that you would have to raise as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And um, Eric Fisher has been terrible. I mean, just to follow up with my thoughts on the offensive line real quickly, because you guys covered a lot of ground. I just want—I did want to say that Eric Fisher has been good in the run game. though. Some of those holes. that that he is opening up along with Chris Reed has been like gaping holes that Jonathan Taylor is running through so I did want to acknowledge that I didn't want to just beat him up because he has been absolutely terrible in pass pro but his run blocking has been well he's a plus uh, run blocker right now for the last couple of weeks so I, I do want to commend him on that before uh, we moved on, because I think you guys touched all the key
1: points. Uh, and did you guys mention that Quentin Nelson should be back next week for the San Francisco game? It sounds like Quentin Nelson and Braden Smith are going to practice this mm-hmm. week. So we, we should see what the answer to these questions are, like who they think the best five is, what they want that rotation to look like, if they're all going to be out there. Um, I and mean, we'll see how practice goes. I mean, Braden Smith, it looks like they've – it's been a slower recovery than they were expecting. Um, yeah. So. If we could have at least one of the two back, that'd be huge. Hey, hey, I'm
2: going to say this right now. I don't want them to play this week. Get them as healthy as possible. Bring them about back against Tennessee so we can
1: whoop their ass. See, we're not – I understand that mindset, but are we really in the – we're a two-and-four football team, even if we're moving in the right direction. They're an NFC team. It doesn't
2: hold any weight, though.
1: It does hold weight because we can't afford the – all another game behind Tennessee. Now Tennessee <laughs> sucks. We can oh, easily catch Michael, them in the division. I understand that, but you don't catch them in the division losing to the NFC teams either. Like you want to go into that game at Lucas Oil with Tennessee coming to town as close as you can be. I mean if Tennessee exactly. Tennessee's down 7 right now. They're driving right now in the fourth quarter. So when you guys listen tomorrow, you you guys will know the ending of this Monday night game. But there's a real chance that going into that week, I mean, Tennessee has a tough stretch coming here. They have, they have, they have Kansas city. They have the Packers. They, they're playing the bills right now. We'll see how that game ends up as well. But I mean, I just don't think you are in position to say, if a guy is ready to go, let's rest him for a week. I just don't think we're there anymore. That that Ravens game. I am in that position. Destin. I am in that
2: position because I'm in that position. Because Matt Pryor and Eric Fisher are gonna choke the hell out of Eric Armstead and Nick Bosa because they both suck. Well, first okay? of all,
1: first of all, Eric Armstead will not be lining up against tackle. Yeah, he's um, yeah, say so that's not gonna happen. Um, now Pryor is a big. Why man, would you so not, maybe... Why would
2: you not line him up against either backup? Though that's my
1: that's my question. Why would you not line him up against either tackle? But I mean, they have because backups. But they have decent edge rushers in general. Like, they, have, rushers, they, have, yeah, they have they have a good have line. They have a good line. They're they not going to need to move they guys do. over. They're going to do what they got to do. But I just, I mean, I understand the mindset. And in most years, if we're a, if we're a above five hundred football team right now, maybe I say the same thing. You rest them for the divisional game. But we, we can't are, afford to drop them. I say we're we're two and four. You two and five is not a. You don't want to be there. You that, that choking that Ravens game hurts you a lot because it it really does take away a lot of your. Uh, your wiggle room for the rest of the year. I mean, you can lose a couple more, but you can't convince me that the winner of the AFC South is going to be less than ten games, ten wins. I I just don't think it's going to come down. You said to...
0: less less than
1: less or more than. I'm saying I don't. I think it takes at least ten wins to win the AFC South. Oh, okay, she, yeah. Shit, so. what the I hell. Think so. Ten man, it might it might take it
2: might take seven wins. The hell are you talking about? Uh, The the ghost is back. Okay, the ghost is back. Let's stop talking about about this trash division. Uh, The ghost is back. He had a pretty good day yesterday. Ty Hilton. I mean, what what perfect timing against the Houston Texans? Three receptions for seventy yards. I believe one of them was a fifty-two yard reception, a beautiful deep ball. You mentioned earlier, Destin. Two. Hilton, I mean, you, you you saw it. You saw it. In my opinion, Houston was honestly confused on a couple of plays. Who was gonna cover who? Hilton or Pittman? Who was throwing coverage at who? Hilton or Pittman? And that's what Rashad and I discussed when Hilton came back. Both of them are gonna compliment each other. Both of them are gonna basically beg a DC, throw coverage at whoever you want, but you're gonna get beat. So, guys. What was y'all's reaction to T.Y. Hilton making his return yesterday?
1: I mean, it's always going to be big when T.Y. Hilton's on the, on the field. Um, I want to say the Colts have won maybe two games ever without T.Y. Hilton since he's been drafted. Um, I mean, don't quote me on that. Maybe a little bit more than that, but it's 100% low single digits. And That's one of those- 14, huh? Without him? Yeah, roughly. Um, I think I think it's two wins ever without him.
0: But uh, yeah, it is. It's two and 14, two and 14 is the record.
1: So it's always big when he's on the field. I mean, they they did the right thing. Um, they let the, they announced the offense at the game. Uh, T.Y. Hilton was last and Lucas Oil erupted loudest, louder than I've ever heard him um, just. T.Y. Hilton's loved here, man. I mean, it's why he's back. Um, we, we saw the big movement to get T.Y. Hilton back on when during free agency. Fans don't want him anywhere else. I don't think T.Y. Hilton really wants to be anywhere else. And then you see his play. I mean, I think it does help that Houston's secondary is atrocious. Uh, if, you, if you go back and watch that game, I mean, some of these DBs made some of the dumbest choices I've ever seen in my life. Uh, But T.Y. Hilton on that 57 yard catch. I mean, that was a tough catch. Beautiful ball between two defenders. That's still a tough catch. Uh, Thankfully, that last play where it looked like he got hurt. I mean, it sounds like he's going to be fine. Um, What he did not re aggravate the neck, which is what I was really concerned about when he was laying on the field like that at first. Mm Sound like T.Y. Hilton's going to be fine. And like you said, I think T.Y. is only going to help Pittman down the road. Are they going to have to find a healthy medium of what that looks like target-wise? I mean, Pittman only ended up with four targets, two catches this last game. So some fantasy owners might be upset about it. But I think T.Y. on the field makes the Colts a better football team. And I think in the long run, he'll make Pittman a better football player.
2: I agree
0: with you, man. Uh, Having T.Y. out there is a plus. Like you say, he had four targets for – for and for catches for eighty yards. Like, what are we even talking about here? He caught every target he had. The coach made it a priority to go to him early and get him involved and get that crowd ruckus. And oh, one bone I got to pick with you, Dustin. You told us about the roar of the crowd. You didn't get us a
1: video or nothing. Yeah, I mean that's that's on me. Um I was I was busy okay. being a part of the roar, I guess. Uh um there, <laughs> there there's videos all over Twitter. You can find it, but I mean it was loud. I'm telling you, it, it, it was loud. It was the loudest I've ever heard of Lucas Oil. Um, I mean, it's, it's the third game this year that I've been there for season tickets, but I've been there in the past and I've seen some emotional moments. I mean, I was there at halftime this year when they honored Peyton and Edge. Um, I think Ty's roar coming out of the tunnel was louder when than when they announced Peyton to come get his ring. Yeah,
0: man, I was I was so excited, though, to see T.Y. back. It's just that energy that he brings to this team, man. It's none like it. it. No, he may not be the player that he was in 2014 and 16 and 18, but he's still a great asset to the team, man. He still has a lot to contribute, his knowledge of the game, to help these young guys in that wide receiver room. And the things he do on the field, man, as you can see, the 52-yarder the was – Just a thing of beauty. And it was an element of the offense that was missing. Mike Pittman Jr. gave us our first glimpse of that last week when he had the monstrous catch in Baltimore that he didn't make you got Moss for, and I don't understand how. It's literally the definition of Moss in somebody. But anyway, that's another story for another day. T.Y. Hilton is just that guy, man. He, he, He is Mr. Indy, Mr. Cope, and he's been the most consistent, wide receiver over the last decade well the most consistent coke period over the last decade and the 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 impact that he has is unmeasurable in stats
2: I agree with y'all there guys it is time to move on to the defense talking about some defense points look I think the first one we got to start off with is Darius Leonard all right Darius Leonard I mean Take your pick in a boxing match, Darius Leonard or Deontay Wilder. Take your pick. Both of them seem to have some good punching power. Guys, let's talk about (laughs) Darius Leonard in these turnovers, uh, these turnovers that he's making in these hilarious attempts to run with the ball, man. He is so hurt. He is galloping, barely galloping with the ball in his hands. So let's talk about it, Rashad.
0: Darius Lena is out there on one leg, man. I tweeted his stats this season. Uh, he has two forced fumbles. He has two interceptions. He has three fumble recoveries, one quarterback hit, pass another pass breakup on top of that as well. Man, he is out there making plays. Sure, he's not the same guy that he used to be as far as playing sideline to sideline, covering things, filling in the run game being real physical at the point of attack. He's not that right now, but we know he's playing on one leg, so he's really limited, but he's still making a splash plays, the type of plays that you want a $95 million guy to make at linebacker. Uh, I just tweeted uh, again that nobody, no linebacker in the league has more of a nose for the football than Darius Leonard. He, He is that type of guy, a game changer when he's on the field. And that peanut punch, man, they were saying that it's clearly he's the best peanut puncher in the league, and I think that's a little slanderous to uh, Marlon Humphreys. He might have something to say about that. But Darius Leonard, if
1: not one, he's, he's probably number two for sure, and I don't think you can really debate that. I mean, I think the biggest reason that I would give the slight to Darius is because Darius isn't afraid to do it ever. I mean, Darius got put on Derrick Henry's highlight reel because he was trying to punch the ball out. Derrick Henry does – I mean, Darius Leonard's doing it every week. I mean, he he has such an impact on the game that we saw T.J. Watt throw five punches at Alex Collins on Sunday Night Football trying to try and get the ball out. But he was throwing haymakers at the body of Alex Collins and stuff. Ends up getting flagged for it. Um, probably needed a little bit better uh, technique um, trying to punch the ball out. Maybe Darius can get with T.J. Um, T.J. Great a lot of things. Maybe not punching the ball out yet. Uh, but, I mean, Darius Leonard, I mean – I just think he's made that even more common in the NFL just because has he had issues um, in pass and pass pro this year? Yeah, he has at times. Is he playing hurt? Yeah, he has. But the last few weeks, I mean, it's not matter. He still had made up for it and made plays. I mean, the interception um, was, it was a bad throw, but I mean, he made a play. The punch out, I think, was one of the most athletic plays I've ever seen. He held. I don't know if anyone saw it on the live broadcast. But on the replay, you can see him. He physically holds David Johnson up off the ground before he hits the ground and then punches the ball out himself, holds the man up and punches him out. Um, Super impressive. But, uh, I mean, I think Darius Leonard, maybe not the most talented pass pro linebacker, off-ball linebacker, even though he's paid the most. But, I mean, of of all those guys, I mean, I don't know if there's a bigger playmaker than Darius Leonard.
2: Definitely, definitely.
1: Speaking of playmaking, we got to talk about
2: the lack thereof on the defensive line, all right? Uh, Against a pretty poor offensive line, a pretty poor offense, we still failed to consistently disrupt Davis Mills. So, no Kamoko Turek, would he pay, was back. Uh, He didn't really offer much, guys. This is going to be a problem all year. It's going to be a problem. It's not going to be a good thing. It's not going to be – they're not just going to wake up – Alcadine's not going to wake up and automatically get Von Miller-type moves or anything like that. Uh, You know, Kamoko Ture isn't getting put into a vault like Captain America was and just coming out with all (laughs) kinds of superpowers. It's not going to happen, guys. This is going to be a problem week in and week out. So, guys, against Houston – what was some of the biggest issues with the lack of, I mean, the, the lack of pressure on a
1: rookie quarterback failing to disrupt him, whether if it was even a blitz or not? I mean, I'll be pretty quick. I mean, I think it's just going to be something we see all year. I mean, the two worst offensive lines we're going to play this entire year, uh, we've already played, in my opinion, in now Miami and Houston with Houston having multiple guys not playing in this one as well. And they still weren't able to make consistent pressure. Um, DeForest Buckner has faced some double teams, but I mean, even, even he has um, struggled a little bit this year to create that constant pressure. Um, I think Pay did end up on the day. I gave him three pressures um, on the day, but he just wasn't able to hit home. Um, I will say on, oh, I don't even know who it was that forced the fumble, I think it was, of Mills, but... Pay was going to sack him if it didn't happen. Um, he's just been moments – just moments late a little bit there. But hopefully Pay um, is able to – I mean, we, we said it this year. Getting constant sacks as a rookie is not something that happens often. But we just wanted him to learn this year. We wanted to be able to develop his game as a pass rusher. And we'll see what happens. But, I mean, the young guys aren't getting it done right now.
0: Yeah, uh, Pay was on the doorstep, like you said, Buckner. He got his second sack of the season. I believe his first since the Seattle game, if I'm not mistaken. He has been pretty quiet, you know, and if you go back to the last season when he had, I believe it was nine and a half sacks, most of his sacks did come against lesser competition. Let's be honest here. Whenever we went against the top-notch competition, Buckner wasn't able to get pressure. Because like you say, they do uh, have different uh, blocking schemes. They slide protection. They double team Buckner, but he still gets his fair share of one-on-ones, and I'm not going to let the double teams use that as an excuse for him to be uh, unproductive in the games that he's played. He has to be better. I'm sure uh, Iberflues has told him that. And the rest of the guys, man, let's let's be honest here. There's nobody else that poses a pass-rushing threat. There's good d lyman's that's solid in a run game on this team. I like what Grover Stewart's doing. But as far as rushing a passer, man, we just can't get any help for Buckner on this defensive line. And it really has been a, a a low point, a low point so far.
2: Yeah, and then idiots want to come out and say he needs to do more. He's literally getting triple teamed. What do you want him to do? I mean, oh, Aaron still- Donald does it. Yeah, Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald
1: is the greatest defensive player to ever live. So Buckner is struggling though. I mean, like he, he has had some struggles against even his one-on-one reps he's had. Um, He is still getting double teamed and triple teamed a lot, Michael. I agree. But I mean, there is some to say that Buckner, even with, I mean, with the guys around him, obviously being worse than last year, it does feel like Buckner has not been as dynamic um, as he was last year when he also was double teamed. So, I mean, I still think it's fair to say that his play has not been up to par yet.
2: What is he on like two sacks on the year yesterday? He got two or he got one that made it to on the year. So. I think he got one and he made it to. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, So, oh man, it's going to be a problem consistently until we get into free agency or the draft. I, and me personally, I'm just tired of dipping into the draft, man. Please, please, please. Von Miller, Dante Hightower, maybe, hopefully for the love of Jesus, um, Hey, maybe Whitney Merciless can help. I don't know. He was the only guy that was worth game planning for on the Houston defense anyway. So he was getting double teamed
1: all year, too. Moving on. The Justin Reed slander is not accepted here.
2: Justin Reed, if we ever change to a 3-3-5 defense, I will gladly say Blackman, Willis, and Reed are the best safety uh, group in the league. Without any hesitation,
0: Micah High,
2: Jordan who died. Uh fuck them. Uh it's about Blackman, Willis, and Reed. I'll that PG take. that PG 13 I, back. Yeah, I will gladly take those three. Anyways, Justin Reed. Green Bay Packers has entered the you know. chat. Uh the Green Bay Packers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, but guys, something again like I mentioned in the show, the defense against Rookie average, not even average, below average quarterbacks, they're okay. They're good. They allow three points, but for some reason, guys, is it just me, or was the ball still consistently being moved on this defense? Or,
1: or was or was that just me? I mean, Mills was able to they made a lot of their money on the little nine-yard curls. Um, it helped that Mills, I mean, is still young. I mean, I still I wouldn't say that Mills. Is awful. Um, I'm just gonna be honest. Like I think watching him, I mean, he still moves through his transgression transitions well. I mean, he goes through his reads like a normal quarterback does. I mean, he looked the part. Um, they, they end up getting blown out, and I, I feel like he's getting he's being asked to do a lot on that team right now. But the the effect of the matter that Mills is still gonna be one of the worst quarterbacks we play this year, and he was able to complete just about every pass he attempted on the day. It felt like. I mean, eventually that's going to be an issue and it happened to be against David Davis Mills in this offense today on uh, Sunday. So it didn't come back to haunt you, but I mean, you don't get to play them 17 games out of the year. Um, I think they
0: moved the ball a little too much for my liking, but like you said, when you, when you producing turnovers at a high rate, uh, the Colts are, I, I believe fourth in the NFL right now at producing turnovers. I think, they have produced 12 so far this season. You're, you're going to have teams that move the ball well because even Flus have told you himself that they're been but don't break defense. I even though I hate it every time he says it and I literally start fuming. But when you're a been but don't break defense, you have to produce turnovers. Like you, it, it's no option. You have to produce at that level. That's the only way you're gonna get stops. And they're banking on you making a mistake before. The um the defense does that's what the whole point of a bimber don't break uh, uh, offense and if the offense does get in the red zone the field shrinks and you're able to keep them out of the end zone that's basically the premise of that defense for those of you guys that don't know at home
2: yeah and again I mean Davis Mills I think at one point I saw he was like 14 of 17 and again everything was just gifted to him given to him the ball was being consistently moved down the field and the turnovers is really what probably kept this from actually being a closer game than what it was. Credit the defense, credit Darius Leonard. That's his playmaking. Um, the interception to Isaiah Rodgers. I mean, if that was Aaron Rodgers or anything, that would have been a touchdown. He was beat on that throw. Uh, the ball was underthrown. It was still a flashy interception. Trust me, that that man, he's been dreaming of that. Diving interception, I loved it. But he was beat on that throw. And if it was a really good quarterback, that would have been a touchdown. So, uh, again, you know, we're already, we are where we are on this defense. Again, when we play good quarterbacks, we're going to get beat. We're going to get destroyed. Uh, We still got Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, still got Ryan Tannehill, still got Tom Brady, still got these guys on the schedule. Hey, it's time to. I mean, it's not even time to do anything. We already are where we are with this defense. So, again, getting into something that is a little bit more of an issue with the defense is Xavier Rhodes, okay? He is getting beat a lot. Yesterday, Brandon Cooks absolutely just beat him on almost – I think it was almost every rep that they went up against each other. Xavier Rhodes got hurt. I mean, got hurt. He he got beat bad all the time. I understand, guys. It's okay to – make excuses oh well he's hurt he's hurt man on a lot of reps i didn't see anything that had to do with him being hurt he just got beat he didn't keep outside containment he was trailing too much some of the angles were bad some miscommunication in the back end i mean come on destin you you know we all like to give each other first props on the things that we call so Destin, you had first props on Xavier Rhodes, probably not even producing what he produced last year. Where, where, what have you been seeing so far, especially yesterday from Xavier Rhodes?
1: I mean, I had low expectations on the year for Xavier Rhodes. I mean, I've been pretty vocal about that. I just didn't see a way, watching his tape last year, that he was going to replicate it. Um, I mean, I thought even close to replicating it would have been a bonus for Indy, um, a positive, and he's just not done that. Um, he has struggled. Um, and I mean, I said I wouldn't do this before this show started, but I mean, he has been playing hurt. Um, so, I mean, that's always going to be something that <laughs> people are gonna use, but I mean, he's making bonehead decisions. I mean, you would think if he was playing hurt, that it would be a fatigue thing and maybe he's getting because of speed here and there, but he's biting on a lot of fakes. He's biting on a lot of first moves and you, he's just not going to be able to survive in the NFL this way. I mean, he looks a lot closer to that last year with Minnesota than he does last year than last year's year with Indy. So, I mean, he's going to have to figure it out if, if they want any way of him being a quarterback one. I mean, Rocky Sins outplayed him Isaiah Rogers outplayed him on Sunday. Um, we're we're going to see what this adds up to long-term this year. Hopefully he gets healthy. Hopefully I'm wrong. I would love to be wrong on this. I really would. I would love for Xavier Rhodes to start playing like a, true number one corner and I don't have to talk about this every week but he's been a problem
0: yeah man I gotta agree with you guys you know uh I was I was pro bringing Xavier Rose back especially at the price tag that we had him and maybe it was a red flag that he didn't draw much interest in free agency because a lot of people felt like Dustin that it just wasn't repeatable what he was able to do last season maybe that should have been the first red flag right there but I think it's due I think this has some a little to do with his injuries. Like you say, his technique has been bad in some situations, so I can't attribute all of it to that. But I think once he gets fully healthy, we'll be able to be, evaluate him properly and see where we need to go. It, it's just a good thing that we have uh, another guy that has been stepping up and playing well whenever he's called up on. And um, shout-out to Lockyer's head, man. Even though I know he suffered an injury, he, he's been pretty solid out there, man. I can't
2: front. A year we said – Oh, you, uh, you go ahead and go. <laughs> oh, okay. I was just going to say two other guys that really have been lights out so far. Two guys that I really loved and wanted to see progress coming into the year. Julian Blackman and Isaiah Rogers. I, I love the Isaiah Rogers hype. I am here for it. I'm going to aboard the train. I am going to buy the ticket. I might even create my own bunk and live in it. I might just build it. I can't say enough. I really like what I've seen from Isaiah Rogers. Given his size, he is such a willing tackler. He's become a good open field tackler. Julian Blackman acts like a just like he is shot out of a cannon yeah. coming downhill. Great angles, some really good angles in pass coverage. I'm really loving what I'm seeing from Julian Blackman. He is definitely rebounding from a pretty rough first three games. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Oh, I love these young guys,
1: man. Isaiah Rogers and Julian Blackman, man. That, that's it. That's the, that's the segment. Man, man. <laughs> I mean, I feel like last year we talked a lot about Blackman's ability to monitor the ball and work the field, but man, he's, he, he's learned to lay the wood this year. I mean, yeah. these, these last two games, he's hitting harder than just about anybody that I'm watching. I mean, he, he's out there lighting dudes up. I mean, he must've been watching some Bob Sanders and, buffet uh because <laughs> dang man it's it's this is ridiculous like he, he's out there just lighting people up but I mean, we'll see how the year ends up going but uh i've liked what i've seen from julian blackman a lot especially the addition to his tackling ability now the issue that comes to hand is if he can be consistent with it um, willis had some issues this year as well trying to be consistent at the safety position isaiah rogers i mean I still think he's a little undersized to play on the outside at a consistent basis. Um, I still think his future in the NFL is going to be in that nickel corner area of the field. But I mean, he's he's stepped up and played when his number is called, and I can't expect anything else. I agree with
0: you. Oh, you had something to say, Mike? No,
2: no, no, no. You, oh. you, take it, man, take it.
0: Oh, um, what I wanted to say is what I like most about Isaiah Rogers is, and, and the step that I want to see him take the next step I think in this type of scheme in particular is I want to see him more in the run game like I want to see him tackling more I think that's his only knock right now and that's probably what's not keeping him on the field as much as he should be playing is that he's just not that physical yet but I think with that size that speed that he has his ability to close in on the ball once he's in the air is ridiculous man like that makes up for lack of technique sometimes when you just have flat out speed like that it, it makes up for your shortcomings and your technique and, and your footwork and different things of that nature but I think he gets it man I think he has been a great member of the secondary stepping in and playing important downs for people but Also, somebody I wanted to shout out real quick in the secondary is is Kyrie Willis. He had pretty much his best game uh, last game so far this season because he struggled early this season. Let's be honest. He had a sack yesterday. He had that was who had the sack, Dustin, that we wasn't thinking about, that we forgot about. It was Kyrie Willis. And and he's making plays, man. He's out there making plays. So I wanted to shout him out because he's had it rough so far this season And, and he was due for a good game.
2: All right. Well, guys, that is your week six review show. We're two and four. We're going to try and get to three and four and then four and four. And then hopefully we end up being 13 and four. All right. Uh, I am so thankful for you guys. I love you guys so much. Y'all are my brothers. OK even though we're trying to sit here and watch the Buffalo That's Bills what exactly beat, the, what beat, beat the Tennessee Titans right now. Uh, look, it's probably going to be a good night. Let's go ahead and hop on off the show. Let's watch this game, see hopefully it works out for the Bills. It works out for the Colts, guys. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, the underscore Blue stable, guys. The blue underscore stable, sorry. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube. Listen, subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get and listen to this show, guys. Again, thank you. I am Michael Taraza. He is Rashad McGinnis. He is, he is Destin Adams. Again, shout out Destin. He might be a father any coming day now. Um, Shout out to him and baby Adams. Nah, we ma- will see y'all next Mike, week.
0: Mike, you had it right. He's Rashad McGinnis, too. <laughs>